1: On your Tuesday episode of Locked on Raptors, Canada wins bronze at the FIBA World Cup, and it's very, very exciting. We'll dig into our biggest takeaways from a very successful run in the World Cup for Canada. Plus, what did we learn about Dennis Schroeder and his role with the Raptors? We'll get some fun tales from Jakarta from Alex Adams, today's wonderful guest, and we'll take a look ahead at Paris 2024. It's all coming up on today's show. Thanks for hanging. Oh, look, like, because when I shot it, I expected to make it, so like, I don't shoot kind of miss. So. And welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Tuesday. September the 12th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow the show on Instagram at Raptors. You can join our Discord server. Link is in the description. Come hang out. A great little family we got building around the show. Lots of talk about fantasy basketball and the Blue Jays and movies, and of course, uh, whatever the hell is going on with the Toronto Raptors. It's all in there. Come hang out. Link in the description, as always. If you need it, you can always DM me as well, and I can drop you the fresh link to join our little Discord family. You can also find the show for free on your favorite podcast apps. Please subscribe, follow, rate, review, hit the subscribe button on YouTube as well so you never miss an episode. And we're thrilled to have you along today as we take a look now at your bronze medal winning Team Canada coming off a thrilling overtime victory against the States in the bronze medal game on Sunday morning. The wee wee hours of Sunday morning. Shea Gildas Alexander going off, Dylan Brooks doing the thing and a really, really fun cap to a very fun tournament for Canada. And here to talk about it and to put a little bow on the tournament, to look ahead to Paris 2024, is Alex Adams from Raptors Republic from CBC Radio, who was in Jakarta during the first three games for Canada before everything moved over to Manila. Uh, Alex, it's wonderful to have you. How are you, man?
2: Uh, great. Um, the, the jet lag is definitely gone. So uh, <laughs> glad the to last hear. a couple it. games, uh, <laughs> I felt I was on Jakarta time because all the games were at four in the morning. So it's not the, <laughs> the best way to transition to. Uh, canadian time but uh it was it was great covering the team and uh, i'm really happy to to be on uh front of the show vivek uh i i am gonna try to you know stay uh, uh, keep up
1: with his uh excellent work so we'll yeah he's, fine. he's don't, fine don't give him too big of a head uh <laughs> uh but yeah so you were in jakarta covering the world cup uh and watching canada in their first three games over in the group stage we're gonna get into some tales from the ground i think you got a bruno tale you're gonna pass along which is very exciting we'll talk a little dennis schroeder we'll talk about paris 2024 but we should of course begin talking about your canadian national team bronze medalists for the very first time at the FIBA world cup probably the high watermark of achievement for the canadian men's program i guess you could say they technically won silver back in 1930. <laughs> but i don't think anyone cares about that so alex i guess let's just start big picture what was your sort of biggest takeaway it's now been a couple days since the end of the tournament what have you been kind of thinking about what are your biggest pullaways from a very successful run over in jakarta and manila for your canadian national team well they, they just they finally did it they, canada's had the talent for so long
2: mm-hmm. we think about 2015 if, you, if you're a fan of the program that heartbreak against Venezuela. Then, uh, obviously, Thomas Sadoransky um, is in my nightmares. Oh. Definitely, Lou Dort's <laughs> night- nightmares as well uh, with that shot in Victoria after a crazy comeback. Um, and I felt I felt those scars. I felt those ghosts in that Spain game when I was there. Mm. Um, definitely felt, if you saw my Twitter, that uh, I did not believe in this team. And I said, <laughs> woe is me. Uh, this <laughs> always happens. And guess what? It, it didn't happen. And they came back. You have to, you know, think. Uh, Shay Gilgis Alexander, Dylan Brooks became a 58% three-point shooter in this tournament. I don't know how that happened. I will say seeing him on the ground, he was Canada's best shooter in mm-hmm. practice, but that doesn't always translate to the games. Um, but that's an interesting tidbit, but just they finally did it, right? The, this Canada has over 20 NBA players. Um, they should be in Olympics. They should be getting medals at FIBA World Cups, and they finally did it. And Uh, I just think about all the, the guys on this program, like Melvin Edgem, Dwight Powell, who was, uh, you know, after the Spain game was, uh, you know, close to, to tears when I, when Mm -hmm. I talked to him after the game and and there's the video of him in the locker room crying or, or close to tears. So, um, they finally did it. We're gonna see them at the Olympics. There's unless barring crazy injuries, it's gonna be a pretty NBA loaded roster Mm -hmm. and, uh, what a time to, to, to follow this program. and. it's not bad uh, beating the United States in a, in a bronze Ooh. game. I, I like that, especially um, after the U.S. came back. But then also, Shea was like, you know, I'm gonna get an off-ball defender to to break his ankles, who's not even guarding me, which I've never <laughs> seen before. So,
1: <laughs> like, this, what? to rope someone else into your gravity as you cross a dude into oblivion is uh, <laughs> like that's like Jupiter during the forming of the solar system stuff. It's incredible. <laughs> uh, yeah, like to kind of pick up your point, I, I think yes, it is probably overdue frankly for them to have success at a tournament like this but it doesn't i don't care now like I, i'm just thrilled that it happened uh before i dive into my sort of big takeaway from the tournament i have to ask you what would you have preferred you make the final but lose and get silver or you get bronze by beating the states what's the better outcome here sean for you? you're way ahead of me i've been thinking about this as well <laughs> i i say in the states in a bronze
2: medal game is almost is just way bigger of an achievement you're going to get way more people um you, you see on cbc ctv all the major outlets it's a national story even on the first day of you know nfl and everything it's just such a monumental win for this program and really caps off a great tournament right sure it's yeah. not gold medal but uh that's pretty sweet and the way they did it and um just also Dylan Brooks, like I, I I, can't even explain what that performance was like. Just <laughs> unbelievable. Um, I'm thinking about, I think LeBron asking to, to be part of the USA might just be try- him to one-up Dylan Brooks. Um, mm-hmm. let's, let's see what uh, kind of takes shape there. But um, just what a performance like, to beat the United States and and really a statement for this program. and. Leading up to uh, the, uh, the Olympics next summer, you know, there's been some rumors from Brian Windhorse, maybe a, a, home and home in, in Toronto and Vegas. That sounds pretty nice to me with the U S. Yeah. Um, so I think it really tees and puts them in a, in a great kind of launching pad to, to gain some momentum next summer where they, they say, Hey, you know what, uh, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, you know, you, you guys lost to us. We're, we're, mm-hmm. we're, the, we're the best teams in North America. So, uh, pretty, pretty fun way to cap off the tournament.
1: Yeah, just like give me a big gulp's worth of American tears after that, baby. I, I feel like that's maybe a prop that Dylan Brooks is going to bust out at some point down the line. Uh, so for me. I kind of have two big takeaways from this tournament, and they're very much on like the polar opposite ends of the talent spectrum. Uh, number one is Shea Kilcic's Alexander is incredible, uh, and Canada has a dude now that you speak of in the same sort of sentence as Luka Doncic or Jan or Nikola Jokic, where it's like, okay, if their national team has that guy... They got a shot. Obviously, Serbia has got a shot without Jokic. They made it all the way to the final. Mm-hmm. Beat Canada. They were outstanding. Uh, I, I I shudder to think that what, what they would have looked like with Jokic, with that whole team around him. Um, but I, I think like Shea is one of those dudes. Obviously, we kind of knew that anyway. He was first team All NBA. He you know was just like I think he finished fifth in MVP voting. He's incredible, mm-hmm. and we knew this. But to see it kind of on the stage with the supporting cast that Canada can throw out there around him. Gave me a lot of hope that, yeah, maybe you know next summer, Paris, it's going to be a stacked field, right? Who knows you know what guys are going to show up for the States? They're going to be better than the team that they had at the World Cup. We know that Serbia is going to be loaded for bear with Jokic most likely. We know that uh, Germany is obviously a very good team. We know France is going to put out their best team as the host nation. It's going to be a loaded field, but when you have Shea, you're going to have a, ch- a chance against literally anybody, and that is very exciting. And I think the other side of this, too, is... I think this is also a win for the sort of grander scheme of basketball in Canada. You know, there was the graphic going around today of all the different players who had a part Mm -hmm. in the lead up to this tournament in the qualifiers, 18 different players from the CEBL, notably, Uh, you know, I'll toot that horn as a CBL guy all day. That's really awesome. You know, obviously during the season, there's these qualification windows and whatnot where the pros or the NBA guys are not able to be there and to have the depth of talent that Canada has now, like... Yes, you know, Cassius Robertson or Khalif Young are not going to get a, a medal for winning at the World Cup, but their fingerprints are all over this run to the bronze as well. Right, Alex? Oh, yeah, definitely.
2: And, you know, you think about it's almost emblematic with or, or kind of you think about guys like Phil Scrub, Melvin Edgem, mm-hmm. Kyle Alexander, Trey Bell Haynes, guys that have been playing in Europe for a long time who who went to Venezuela in December or whatever <laughs> and had had those long treks and and you know remember like these guys don't get paid to play for their national team or, or very nope. little in comparison right um this this is this is because they love their country and to to see guys like a Melvin Edgem like a Dwight Powell like um a Phil Scrub uh shout out Carlton uh, as an alum um, just, Same here, baby. Oh, really? Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, we'll bond over question, that later. <laughs> I have a question for you uh, after. But uh, yeah, no, um, just just amazing. And it really shows where this program, but also, as you mentioned, the Canadian basketball kind of is, like as Mike Bartlett would say, it's a powerhouse. We're a powerhouse mm-hmm. now. And I don't think going forward, uh, making the Olympics should be a big point of pride. It should be the expectation. Mm-hmm. Getting a, a medal at feeble World Cup sure is nice but I don't think should be oh my god this is the the pinnacle of Canadian basketball this is, should be the expectations every tournament that for the men's side that they enter they should feel as though they can win the gold and that if they come out uh you know come out like the Americans empty-handed with no medal uh then that's a disappointment so um the Americans can maybe learn a thing or two from from Canada <laughs> right now but uh, to be a bit cheeky but overall um just This program is only going up. There's only going to be more and more NBA players every year. There's guys getting drafted in the first round, second Mm -hmm. round. Um, And uh, it's just such an exciting moment in time for this program and and for Canada basketball. And the platform they're going to have at the Olympics is going to be monumental. And I know from covering this team, all these people that were inspired by Steve Nash in 2000, I'm pretty sure it's going to be maybe (laughs) two, three, four times more especially with all the NBA talent uh, at at the Olympics. It's just going to be phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a blast. Can't wait for it. We're going to talk about Paris 2024 in the final segment of the show. But speaking of powerhouses... We got one Dennis Schroeder to talk about. We also got some of your tales from Jakarta Mm -hmm. as you were covering the tournament. One of the very few Canadian media over there covering it, so I'm very excited to get into all that. We will do that momentarily. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Bird Dogs, who make simply the most comfortable shorts you are ever going to wear. I am someone who is hot and sweaty at all times. The summertime is a rough go for me. The last week when it was 40 degrees every day, not so fun. But the Bird Dogs made it a little bit more fun because they're airy, they're light, they're breathable and they have a built-in comfort lining that makes underwear obsolete so you have less stuff you gotta wear out and about as well. You can wear your bird dogs anywhere you can wear them to the bar you can wear them to go golfing you can wear them to the gym you can wear them on a date they're super versatile super comfortable i got a few pairs from bird dogs in the mail i have a couple in my closet i also gave a couple to my dad because my dad loves shorts and loves comfort he's having a great time my wife my head's too big for the bird dogs hat they sent me my wife wears it when she goes paddle boarding it's a wonderful hat and i have the hiking pants the jogger pants whatever you want to call them they are super comfortable as well you want to go check them out they're functional and for any single occasion you can think of and go check them out right now go to birddogs.com slash locked and nba or enter the promo code locked in nba at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order that's birddogs.com slash locked in nba for a free water bottle at checkout you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise
0: you this is jake from locked on
1: All right, we continue on here. Alex Adams of Raptors Republic along talking Canada at the World Cup. Very exciting times. We'll be back to talking Raptors uh, uh, tomorrow as uh, Vivek Jacobs is going to come along. I think we're going to dive deep into the starting lineup question, which is uh, a question hanging over everybody's head. Someone who will be involved in that question, Alex, is, of course, Dennis Schroeder, who won MVP. Germany wins the goal. That was a super fun game. Uh, Serbia makes it interesting near the end, but Germany just too much. Franz Wagner, really good. And of course, Dennis Schroeder comes away, winning the MVP of the tournament. Uh, What were your impressions of Schroeder? Obviously, we now turn our attention towards the Raptors. Uh, I don't think... We gotta just, like, pump the brakes for a sec. He didn't just become the best player in the world because (laughs) he was great in FIBA. He's been great in FIBA... Quite literally, every time out for the last 10 years, he's still Dennis Schroeder in the NBA. Uh, but did you get any sort of kernels of optimism from watching Dennis play with Germany about how he might fit into the Raptors? What were your overall takeaways from his work? I mean, uh, him playing and, and
2: winning MVP cannot be a bad thing for Raptors fans. No, right? like, there's it's, not. it's, 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 it's not, not bad, for sure. If he was averaging, <laughs> I don't know, nine points and two assists and two rebounds <laughs> and getting you know cooked on defense, then you know, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe you should be a bit worried out. I thought, you know, people talk about how he shot really well from three. He didn't actually, if you look at the stats, he, he was 32% on seven attempts. Now, I don't know if he's going to be shooting that many threes for the Raptors. Uh, maybe with their lack of three-point uh, prowess, maybe he will have to. Um, but he was really good overall from the field, shot over 52%, uh, got to the lane just amazingly, really good floater game as well. Um, I think those are some of the things that the Raptors really haven't had since or even before kyle lowry i mean mm. just a guy that can really beat guys off the dribble get to the rim kyle lowry would use that maybe with his rear and to, to get downhill but not necessarily <laughs> with his athleticism so he's going to bring a nice little unique dynamic and and obviously playing that well uh can only be a good thing um you look at ricky rubio who who won the mvp in, in 19 he played really well the following season so there mm-hmm. is a kyrie irving as well in 2015 although he got LeBron James. So that helps a little bit. <laughs> helps, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I think, you know, he had, he overall had about six assists a game. Um, that'd be nice if it was around that maybe four or five uh, for the Raptors. So um, he really is who he is. And I, I wonder if on the Raptors, if he's the starting point guard and he knows his role and he doesn't have to prove anything, maybe there's that confidence that he might not have in in other situations, for example, the Lakers and everywhere else he's played for. I think about how he played with OKC a couple years ago with Chris Paul and Shea Giltis Alexander. That Mm -hmm. might be... Now, it won't be... That many guards
1: for the Raptors, but just no, notably, uh, behind. two fewer guards on the entire Raptors roster than you just listed <laughs> off in one sentence. So, it, uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: well, we can pray for Shea in 2027 or 2028, whenever he's a free agent, it might be even later than that. I don't know off the top of my head, but uh, I yeah. fear he's
1: gonna be uh, unattainable for a very, very, very long time. Well, yeah, it makes well, we'll me very
2: sad, Alex. <laughs> I know. I, I, I was thinking about Shea trade like a year ago and, and that's definitely uh, gone out the wind but uh, overall uh i think you, you can only be excited considering who he was and, and um considering at the time of his signing you must if you're a raptors fan you must be much more excited now than you were maybe after realizing that you lost out on fred to, to dennis schroeder so um I, I i wouldn't glean too too much but it, it is a good sign going into the season
1: Yeah, it softens the blow of the Fred thing, at least artificially, for a couple months until we actually see it all in practice on the floor. And like I said, we'll dig more into the the Schroeder experience and and sort of where he's going to fit into the Raptors' plans on tomorrow's show with Big V. we got to talk about Jakarta, though, Alex. You were in Jakarta. You were one of the very few Canadian media down there. Uh, Very cool, I imagine, on your end, getting that chance to go there and and cover the tournament. Um, Do you have any, like, just, like, tales from the ground, tales from being there that you want to pass along? long anything that really stood out obviously you're there for the spain game massive uh Br- bruno brazil they, they were part of the group as well i'm sure you had some interactions there what do you got as far as uh, really good anecdotes from the ground in jakarta so i'll give i'll give some raptor
2: specific ones because i have beautiful a lot of uh, stories but with bruno i developed a relationship with him really really nice guy i had an interview people can check out on, on raptors republic um and on the uh, on their podcast side and um just talking about his time in toronto but I talked to him before the Canada game, and uh, mm-hmm. let's say he was motivated to, to beat Canada because of his time <laughs> in the Raptors. I won't say any more because that might be uh, crossing the journalistic line, but he was very motivated to, to beat uh, uh, Canada, and he was very excited. And then actually, funnily enough, um, Brazil doesn't take their players on uh uh, they don't give them business class so he was in an economy with me to Tokyo so I kept seeing huh. him in the, on the plane and in the airport and I talked to him after they lost to Latvia and we were kind of talking about hey you know the refs kind of screwed you over he's like yeah they always screw me over and <laughs> stuff like that so and then on the way out he said you know have a great uh, flight back to Toronto even though I'm from Ottawa actually but uh, you know I know what he meant so a uh, very <laughs> nice guy um, You know, I, I really felt as though he could have an, a, a spot in the NBA, just the way he played. And he, and for people that don't know, he was playing as a center. Uh, yeah. was just super long, athletic, was good offensively, would, you know, make a lot of three-pointers. So really cool. Now to another one, I had to sit down with Sergio Scariolo, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of Raptors fans know him. And he talked about how on the 2019 team, when he got there, how people on the team would call him head coach. Because huh. he had been the head coach so for so long in europe and mm-hmm. a lot of times coaches interestingly are in the nba are offensive or defensive so because he was labeled as this head coach it made it easier for guys like kyle lowry who trusted him maybe a bit more and valued his <clears throat> kind of opinion more so than maybe a, a full-time nba guy who's been a coach for a long time as well he told me uh and it was in a throwaway question about why how he found out he didn't get the raptors job so um, okay. I, I did some digging, and it was about a day or two after Darko, or before Darko was announced as head coach, but he's a big Inter Milan fan, okay. and so they're in the Champions League final of, of soccer, uh, and he got the call 10 minutes before um, the, the game-winning goal for Manchester City over Inter Milan, so he said it was Ooh. a really tough uh, <laughs> 10 minutes for him. So, uh, people can check out that interview. Um, and he also, uh, Jordy, I asked a question and he called Sergio his FIBA father. So that <laughs> is kind of cool. So they had worked for Spain and, and were very tight. And actually when I was interviewing him, uh, Jordy came, I was at a ho- at their hotel. Jordi mm-hmm. came and started saying, you know, Alice, you have to give him, you know, I don't know if I can swear, but like, uh, can kind of give him a lot of grief, let's say, uh, midway through. <laughs> and I had to cut that out. Um, so he just impromptu, um, uh, cut, a. a came through and, and during my interview so very nice guy his hair is as
1: sparkling as ever <laughs> and did you reach uh, out to touch it uh i guess you uh, can't i did, really do I did that not ask about trying tips. To I was journalistic a bit nervous. integrity
2: <laughs> i was a bit nervous to ask about tips because then i just feel worse about myself so um I, I did yeah, this is that. just natural man i
1: don't know what yeah. to do yeah You're exactly <laughs> uh,
2: but a uh, really really nice guy and just people should check it out because he talks about that 2019 team and what it was like to coach a Marcus Saul and how smart the team was and how they came together and uh how he just at the beginning I remember um he talked about how uh the, the dynamic wasn't maybe the best in, in 2018 uh-huh. <laughs> to start and they came together and he saw Kyle Lowry barking at everyone and was like oh this is the NBA Oh, that's interesting. This isn't what I see in Europe. So, um, very interest. I mean, I'm I'm putting maybe words in his mouth, but uh, you get the gist. And then that's kind yeah. of what he talked about. So, check it out. It, I think if you're a Raptors fan, it's it's the, my Bruno interview and Sergio. So check that out. Uh, shameless plug. Um, but that that's the kind of uh, Raptors stuff. And just seeing French journalists uh, apoplectic after a game was really fun. I got one who came after. Who came, I was recording a podcast and he comes up to me right before after like 20 minutes after they lost by 30 and says we co- we're going to play you guys again and we're going to beat you and i'm thinking <laughs> i don't know you lost by 30 i i don't know May, maybe but that's a,
1: i mean they will have Wemby. i guess maybe you know, joel he about embiid in too that
2: tournament he talked about in the fiba world cup oh, thinking, oh he yeah wasn't that ended at the olympics well, didn't he said it? later in this tournament i'm thinking <laughs> oh, well we just we just beat you by 30 yeah um, and uh, you know, I have a bunch of other stories, um, just uh, but I got to know the CEO very well, Rome Baird as well. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of other Raptors connections, but um, overall um, was really cool interviewing the players. Um, Zach Eady was had an interesting thing about how he didn't want to acclimatize to. Um, the FIBA game because he's going back to college and he doesn't want to get <laughs> called for. Um, so that was quite funny. Um, but yeah, uh, learned so much and I'm very lucky to, to have gone and very fortunate, but uh, awesome. I hope I, hope I, I gave uh, people some cool stories there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, the links to the Sergio Scariolo, Bruno Cabuclo pieces will be in the description of the podcast. So maybe make sure you go check those out. Um Let's uh, take a quick beat. We'll come back. We'll look at Paris 2024. We're going to run through the Canadian roster, speaking of Zach Eady, among others, and determine whether or not some of these dudes will be on the team in 2024. Obviously, some big uh, like philosophical conundrums for the Canadian squad, considering the commitments and the lack of commitments and oh, it's the Olympics. Maybe we shouldn't care about that. We'll get to that in just one sec. But first, uh, heads up, go check out Locked on Blue Jays. As I record this podcast right now, the Toronto Blue Jays are playing the Texas Rangers in the biggest se- series of the season and Craig Ballard is doing a great job breaking it all down over on Locked On Blue Jays wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube go check it out
0: the NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every Monday Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: All right, let's close this out, Alex, with a look at 2024 Mm -hmm. in Paris. Uh, We're going to do a simple exercise here. I have the roster from Team Canada in front of me. We are going to go player by player, and we will simply say yes or no whether the player will be on the Team Canada 2024 Olympic roster. Uh, What's that, sorry? putting me on the spot okay
2: well yes we'll, that's we'll 100 percent
1: that. what we're doing here it's what <laughs> i specialize in is putting my guests on the spot and making them not want to come back uh all right let's dive in first shay gildas alexander uh a lock i would presume yeah. i mean he could be a bit better
2: defensively eh? no no, no. <laughs> yes lock that in 10 10 out of 10 times i mean that's that's obvious
1: the only way it doesn't happen is if the glorious city of Hamilton secedes between now and 2024, <laughs> finds its way into the Olympics through a qualifying tournament, and Shay well, is the captain well, uh, with can... me and my pickup buddies flanking him alongside. Uh, let's go now to uh, RJ Barrett, uh, that's a lock
2: too. I'm assuming. Yeah, well, his, you know, as Shay said uh, before the tournament, he has no choice because of his dad to, to play Canada. Yes. So, um, <laughs>
1: yes, I'm going to lock that one in as well dylan brooks is there anything he could do for the houston rockets this season to sap all the goodwill of his run for canada and make it so he's not part of the olympic team um
2: maybe some flagrant foul and like scotty barnes or something other (laughs) than that i I really don't see a way for for anything he was i just i I can't even talk about him because i'm i'm at a loss for words so that's that's a yes lock it (laughs)
1: <laughs> not to promote another podcast, not at all locked on affiliated. Go listen to our friend Keith Parrish, former and future guest of the podcast from Fast Bake Breakfast. A uh, huge Dylan Brooks fan. He did a whole whole podcast just talking about Dylan Brooks and his reaction to his 39 point game <laughs> in the bronze medal game. Uh, go listen to Keith. I'll check Fast that Bake out. Breakfast. It's the best. Uh, the all right now we got those are like the three like locks i would say like the the locks of locks there are other locks too that we'll get to here uh i want to save the big men for a conversation a little later but Nikhil Mm -hmm. alexander walker uh i mean his connection with
2: shay it's gonna be Mm -hmm. you know it's gonna be tough i don't know i don't know if Shea really wants him on the team so um no Uh, (laughs) i i i'm pretty sure those those guys just for a little tidbit they were inseparable inseparable Mm -hmm. uh, um together, like they were always before practice, (laughs) just shooting around together, almost really pushing each other as well. So Mm -hmm. um, I I think those two are going to be there in, in in pairs.
1: I didn't really set the stage all that well, uh, by the way, starting off this segment. Again, a 12-man roster. You've got seven NBA players on this team, of course. uh, We'll talk about a couple of these guys who are not NBA players and whether they'll be back next year. But uh, it's complicated by the fact that Team Canada, a few years back, asked for three-year commitments for all these guys to play through all of the tournaments leading up to the Olympics. Uh, Notably, Andrew Wiggins is not someone who made that commitment, but is someone who, uh, talent-wise, might have be in line for a roster spot and there's the sort of philosophical conundrum of that which i'm sure we'll debate a million times between now and next summer for me it's probably just the case if you take the best players and say sorry but hey you know maybe this is the new standard and we just have all the best players all the time uh i digress lou dort uh he had i think a pretty up and down tournament he looked good in a couple of games he looked precious at chua like in a few of his drives <laughs> uh not a good thing uh where are you at with yeah. lou dort yeah, uh, just to, to go
2: on that, uh, I think if Canada has maybe a bit more uh, playmaking and, and shooting around him, he probably doesn't have to shoot as much. Um, yeah. But his defense was amazing as as always. So yes, yeah. he's going to be there. Um, and uh, I, I always like the Dortcher chamber. So I'm a big fan. So, <laughs> uh, I have a jersey of him
1: at, at home. I got it after 2020 bubble. So I, I'm all in. Hell yeah. Uh, And then we got the two bigs, Dwight Powell, Kelly Olinick. I'm interested in these guys because the big man depth is a notable weakness of the program. Uh, Zach Eady was on the team. We'll talk about him in a sec. But Dwight Powell, Kelly Olinick, I would think would be there. But are they potentially at risk if like you know, a Brandon Clark situation comes along and there's maybe they got to budget the, the roster spots, So they are not loading it up too much with centers. Obviously, Kelly can play the four a little bit. He shoots, he play makes from the elbows. You'd guess they'd be there. I asked just because they're both a little longer in the tooth. They've been around a long time. Can't imagine they won't be on the Olympic squad after being such good soldiers for the program. But I do think the center conversation is a very interesting one. And those two guys are very much part of it i think with with that it's more who does canada bring
2: in to maybe supplement those two players rather than i don't see them barring injury they've been they want to be at in in paris it's interesting though with kelly throughout the tournament he he played one he wasn't as good but also he became a bench player after being a main focal of of their starting lineup so Mm -hmm. um just maybe his lack of defense got exposed and and really just canada's lack of size and playmaking and uh so it was interesting to see that and he he was good about coming off the bench, played really well against the Americans and in, in the bronze medal. So that's an interesting tidbit going into um Paris is that maybe Kelly is now more of a, a bench player. Mm-hmm. Dwight Powell uh, was I thought was really good for what who he is throughout the yeah. tournament and um sure maybe you'd want a better big in a lot of ways but uh, he, was, he was. He did his job and he wasn't the reason why Canada was winning or losing games. Um, it would just be nice if there was another guy off the bench, as you said, to, to maybe add if, if Powell's in foul trouble like he was against Serbia
1: and in other games as well. So let's lump these next two guys together, Zach Eadie and Kyle Alexander. We saw Alexander get more run than Eadie kind of as like a small ball, quicker, more versatile defensive option. Uh, Eadie, you know, had the nice game against Lemidon and then didn't really play much beyond that. Uh, where are you at with Alexander and Edie? Are either of them going to be on the team in 2024? Kind of benefactors of the lack of big man depth.
2: That's it's that's going to be one of the biggest questions with this roster going into to Paris. Is do, does Canada? Kim Birch is originally on that core four team. Yep. Um, so if he comes back to decent health, I'd take him probably over those two guys. But that's a pretty big if. Yeah. Um, so if if and then do they go to as you mentioned a Brandon Clark? Although he's really stated that he's probably not interested. He's coming I off know. an Achilles injury, but um, the lure of an Olympics is. Is pretty big for a lot of guys. Trey Lyles was there in 2021. He's not really a five, but yeah. he is a big, he's he's definitely suited for FIBA, just like big, stocky a guy, but who can also shoot. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I, if I had to guess one of the two makes it, um, mm-hmm. I would probably lean to Eddie, but uh, man, it's tough. Uh, I liked Alexander, but I believe he needs to be with really good players and, and really yeah he's not bringing much offensively you tonight. need scores yeah. around him and and mm-hmm. on that second unit when it was Trey bell haynes and melvin Edgem, um it probably didn't help him because he's a bit of a black hole offensively although pretty good defensively mm-hmm. so maybe that's different when you have a jamal murray and maybe an andrew wiggins uh and and then you have guys more like uh you know kelly olenek and and rj barrett off the bench that maybe helps him out so it's going to be a tough one but I'll, I'll say one of the two if that's a cop out Um, And probably Edie, but I'm actually a bit higher on Alexander. But just Edie seems to be the guy that Canada really um, seems to be very high on, especially in the Mm -hmm.
1: FIBA game. Yeah, I mean, with Edie, right? Like, it's who knows what's going to happen this year at Purdue. I'm sure there will be plenty of development in his game. Does he have, like, the foot speed and athleticism to really kind of hang at the super high level? That's the big question. You're shaking your head, and I think rightfully. And he, he does feel... It's like a situation of okay, he's like enormous. He's like this kind of like gimmicky player who will probably spook a team for a few minutes if you throw him in there, and they won't really have much of an answer for him. He's got the soft touch and the finish around the bucket. All of that can give you some punch there. But does he get roasted defensively, and does he become the kind of guy who is on the roster to play like gimmick minutes? And is that the best way to build a twelve-man roster? That's uh, that's that's hard to say.
2: To quote, like you know, a Bruno reference, like maybe he's two years away from being two years away on this roster, <laughs> right? Maybe when he's 26 and just a bit more spry and yeah. understands coverages more in, in a FIBA game. I, I I think maybe in 2028, he might be a big part of the team because he is such an enormous guy and has very good touch around the rim. Like he won mm-hmm. player of the year in college. He's not a bad player by any means, but right yeah. now I don't think he understands the defensive coverages enough to really with his lack of foot speed really sustained himself out there on the court and you could see that in um the game against uh i think he was minus 15 in two minutes in <laughs>
1: the usa which is not yeah. good yeah not the best uh let's go to the two guards who will be very much fighting to keep their jobs on this team trey bell haynes and phil scrub shadow carlton our dude uh yeah. trey bell haynes also a longtime time cbl guy so my mm-hmm. dude also um where are you at with these two guys? Are one or both of them on or off the roster? Obviously, Jamal Murray is the incoming guy. Andrew Wiggins, you got Shayton Sharp, you got Ben Matherin. It seems as though the infusion of talent is going to come in the wings and in the backcourt. Are Scrub and Trey Bell Haynes maybe going to be on the outside looking into you? Think? Uh, I wish
2: I could say yes to this, but I, I see it as no, especially with Murray out and then probably one more NBA player, if that's a mm-hmm. Wiggins, Nemhard, Corey Joseph. I forgot Joseph, Nemhard, yeah. Gold. Uh, O'Shea okay. Brissett as well mm-hmm. um, especially with Murray back they don't really need another guard necessarily um, and I just don't see it like for Scrub not at all because he's a shooting guard and mm-hmm. and for Trey Bell Haynes probably not I just don't see them bringing them on the on the team when they have jamal murray and they'll have Nikhil and rj maybe off the bench so Mm -hmm. um or Corey joseph as well so i I don't see i don't see it for either of those two unfortunately as as cool as it was to see phil scrub make a big shot against latvia which really (laughs) tugged at my heart but uh, overall i'm gonna say no on on the two of them
1: yeah it makes sense and then the last guy and we speak of philosophical conundrums but uh this is probably the biggest one melvin Edgem, who has been a soldier for canada basketball Forever. He is into his early mid-30s now. He was a bit player on this team, but not a massive contributor. And as much as Melvin Edgem rocks, there are probably ways in which you can upgrade on the talent level of the Melvin Edgem roster spot. Where are you at with Melvin Edgem? Do they go with the sentimentality and say, you know what, man, you are kind of like this embodiment of this era of Canada basketball. You've been here all the way through. Yes, you haven't been an NBA guy. Yes, maybe you're not the best talent guy, but it feels good to have you here as one of our commitment guys, or is he going to get nudged out for an NBA guy, do you think? I think
2: he's going to be... I mean, I I don't have any insight. I'd put him on the roster as the 12th man. Sure. Just because, one, you talked to... When I talked to all the guys there they always talk about Mel being almost a leader on this team. Um, and, you know, he can still play. He can still, you can put him in situations. And for example, guys like, you know, I, I, I don't have hard reporting, but what I've heard is maybe that Corey Joseph didn't want a small role on this team. So right. for some NBA guys, they don't want to be the 11th or 12th man on this roster. Sure. Um, so with Melvin Edgem, I think he'd, he'd be more than happy to, to get on the flight to, to Paris or in, and go to the Olympics. So, um, as the 12th man, yes. Otherwise I don't really see a fit for him. Um, I don't think he's going to really play significant minutes if any minutes at all, but, mm-hmm. uh, to have someone like that, who knows who's been through the battles and also just as a leader for this team that, you know, I, kn- I know, he met RJ and Shay, uh, in Manila, or I think RJ when he was like 12. So he knows <laughs> these guys since they were very young and, um, I think would be really good on the team, uh, especially in that like 12th man role. The Udonis Haslam of Canada basketball, if you is will. That is a great Eudonis Haslam, but can play a bit.
1: <laughs> there you go. Hell yeah. That's a perfect way to end off this episode. There will be plenty of Canada basketball to talk about between now and Paris 2024, but we will put a bow in it for now and uh, leave it there. Alex, thanks so much for joining the show. Glad you. your jet lag has uh, been, <laughs> been uh, extinguished by now. Anything you want to promote for the good people out there?
2: Yeah, just uh, you can check out my stuff. Uh, I'll be doing a bit more Raptors coverage for Raptors Republic throughout the year. You can check Love out it. my Weekend Ball podcast. Um, I mean, we're wrapping up with Canada Basketball, but you can check all my stuff out for that. Um, and then I have my own podcast, Behind the Play, um, which you can check out, which uh, I'll have. I'm hoping to have some big NBA um, hitters in, in terms of maybe a Brian Windhorse, maybe a Ramona Shelburne. So we'll see, but um, I, I have been in contact, so I'm not just blowing awesome. smoke. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, and, and if you're into hockey and other sports as well you can check that out so um, amazing shout out to locked on senators they've been really good to me and uh, obviously part of the locked on network so yeah um... Shoutouts shout outs to them if you're you're giving adult. them big
1: heads along with vivek too is un- unacceptable yeah uh, i know and also <laughs>
2: just uh to vivek no one wants to watch cricket so just just tell hey them
1: hey hey okay no, now i'm fighting i'm fighting back I, in his own i'm actually, i'm uh, kind of kidding i actually like
2: cricket but uh, it, was
1: just, it was too easy to say so anyways <laughs> Oh, man, Alex, this was awesome. Thank you so much for joining the show. We'll have you back again for sure. Uh, Those of you out there, thank you so much for tuning in. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. We are on Discord. Link is in the description. Come hang out. We would love to see you in there. Uh, You can also find the show on Instagram, on Twitter, if you're still using Twitter for some reason, Uh, at Raptors, all the places you can follow, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast apps for free. Uh, I didn't mention that part. It's free. Everything's not free in this hell world we live in, but the podcast is, and it will stay that way, so you can go and find it on your favorite pod apps and on youtube we'll be back again tomorrow talking starting lineups and much more with big v well until then thanks so much for hanging bye-bye
0: hey prime members